Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 272, and today we're going to be talking about how to prevent being bullied by sellers and know your rights. And I'm having my good friend on again, Ted Limus, and who's an attorney, but you know he actually works with Amazon businesses and sellers. And I recently sat down with Ted. He actually contacted me. I had him on the show two other times. Uh, actually, it was episode 186 and also 152. And uh, and I'll leave those in the show notes. But uh, we talked about patents and trademarks before and hijackers and all that stuff. But we had lunch together, actually. Actually, it was a cup of coffee. We were going to have lunch, but we both weren't that hungry at the time. So we had some coffee. We sat in a Starbucks. Um, he was in town. And, uh, and yeah, we hung out for about an hour and a half. And uh, we talked about business, but we we talked a lot about life, which was really kind of cool. Uh, but I wanted to have him back on because after we talked, uh, you know, after having him on before and stuff, he's even gotten more sellers to have certain issues and certain questions. And uh, he wanted to kind of share that again. And I said, you know what, we, we really should because a lot of times you don't really understand like what to look for as far as like if someone sends you a cease and desist letter, like is that is that something that you should like react like right away or because uh, it's it doesn't have a letterhead of an attorney? Like, like what are the things to look for when you receive something like if you receive something like that? Uh, and then the same thing is like, you know, how do you handle that? And then the other thing is like, okay, now if that happens to you, how should you handle that? And uh, and then this way here, you have a better understanding. But what he has been seeing, and he calls it, is kind of like this. there's some sellers out there that are just bullying other sellers. And uh, he said, you know what? I think it's a big problem, and I want to be able to come on and, and really just share some of these experiences that his clients have had and, you know, hopefully to help, you know, all of us really see what is important to look at and kind of how to react to something if it should happen, right? It's always good to be prepared as far as like how to handle something before it actually happens, if it ever happens. So kind of being prepared, I think, is always uh, really, really key. So um, really excited to have him on. This was a great conversation that we had, and I think you guys are going to get a lot of value from it. Again, I'll link up all the show notes here with the past episodes I had him on, and uh, this one here will be episode 272, so you can find all the show notes and the transcripts to this episode. Uh, so head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 272. And let me just say, before we get into this talk that I had with Ted, I just want you guys to understand that, you know, business is is going to have bumps in the road. It's going to have things like this that can happen, and we just have to be able to deal with them. We have to be able to adjust and uh, and pivot if we need to and really understand on how to handle that. Same thing with Amazon's announcement that, you know, recently came out about their reviews. You know, they're cracking down on reviews again, right? It's just part of, of the game in business, and we have to learn to adapt. So hopefully after you listen to uh, this conversation, I have with Ted, you'll feel better about if this should ever happen, you'll be better prepared. So let's go ahead, let's dig in, let's listen to this conversation that I have with my good friend, Ted Limus. Well, hey, Ted, welcome back to the podcast. What's going on, man? How you doing? Hello, Scott. Doing well. Good to be back. We are we are away from each other. Uh, we were uh, spending a, a what a morning together. We did here recently. You were visiting South Carolina, and uh, this is our first time talking after uh, getting to uh, meet in person, which was really awesome, by the way. 
Yeah, thanks. It was great to meet you in person and have coffee with you and uh, talk about things that are important to your listeners. Yeah, no, I mean, it was just great listening uh, to you explain, I guess, what you've been hearing from sellers and kind of like their struggles and their sticking points and some of the things that might not necessarily even be something to worry about or some things that they're taking too lightly. Um, and, and I think that's really why I wanted to jump on here and, and really have that conversation, not just us personally having a cup, a cup of coffee, but we can actually talk about it here um, on the air and we can kind of let other sellers know about this. And you, you kind of call it like, it's kind of like a form of bullying where there's some sellers out there that are bullying some sellers around. And you really think that there needs to be Someone like yourself that's going to say, like, listen, here's some things to look for that if it's happening to you, it's not really something that you should worry about. Or, yes, you know, you know what, here, this thing here sounds like this is something you probably should you should probably pay attention to. Um, so let's maybe start there. And um, why don't you just kind of let me know again what has been happening that you've been hearing from your clients and stuff. And maybe then we can shed some light on it and then maybe we can give them some action steps or some things to look for once this or if this ever happens. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Uh, again, thanks a lot for having me on. I, uh, you know, I get a lot of calls from your listeners and from private label sellers in general. And uh, it seems like, uh, you know, a lot of them are having difficulty, of course, um, just responding to or knowing when to respond to uh, to this bullying that happens all the time on Amazon and in a lot of different ways. So my hope was to, to, to equip your listeners with, uh, with an ability to assess the risk level uh, of a policy warning or a a cease and desist letter that they receive or a message that they get through Amazon or a letter that they're receiving in the mail um, because, uh, you know, your listeners aren't lawyers and they don't uh, often really have the ability to assess the risk. Right. Maybe what we can do is maybe walk us through an example. Can, can you do that? Can, can you like maybe give us an example, even if it's a hypothetical example, you know, give us something that might happen or that has happened and then maybe give us some clues as far as like what we're supposed to be looking for. Because I mean, a lot of times people, like you said, they're getting something like a cease and desist from someone, another seller, and it, there's really no warrant in it. It's, it's, you're not really doing anything wrong, but they're going to try to make you think that you are. Um, so maybe you can kind of lead us through maybe an example. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll tell you about one uh, that just happened to a client of mine last week. They got this, uh, a, a cease and desist letter from a law firm, uh, a real law firm, and uh, from a real lawyer, and uh, you know it cited uh, various statutes that they were claiming uh, were being violated, and, and in this case, it was a patent. Okay. And, uh, so you know it was a real cease and desist lawyer, and if you looked up this lawyer, you'd see that yeah, you know he had a real law firm. This was a, a real deal, but there was something awkward about it. It was dated. 11 months earlier. Hmm. And, um, you know, so the, the client called me up and he was in a panic uh, because he thought, geez, this, you know, I'm getting this letter. So, man, I got to stop selling my product. And, uh, and I told him, hold on, don't do anything. Let me evaluate this first. Okay. Let me take a look at it. So we, we, we looked into it and we realized that, uh, that this letter that was written. 11 months earlier, it was at, at that time that the patent application was pending, but in the intervening time, 
the patent had been denied by the patent office. Mm-hmm. Okay. Valid patent at all. And what uh, we, you know, finally kind of figured it out. We, what, what was going on is that this this seller had modified the attorney's letter. Oh gosh! To put in the the my client's seller name and information, but otherwise all the all the details, all the blood curdling, you know, cease and desist, stop doing this, was all in there. Um, but they forgot to change the date. And, <laughs> oh no. Uh, so, you know, we were able to write the attorney back and, of course, copy that uh, the seller who was doing the bullying and tell them, look, we know that your patent has been denied. You are making improper claims of, of patent infringement, and you had better not have notified Amazon because uh, you'll be liable to us for, for damages. And uh, honestly, we're still waiting to see how that how that plays back. But you know, imagine the relief of my client when oh, we yeah. were to, to put this out there and say, you know, you don't have to stop selling this product. Um, you know, we're going to put them in their place. Now, okay, so let's just say, for example, uh, that was the case, and uh, or you know, it was the case that it was a real patent, but it still wasn't it wasn't approved and it was pending. Is there still anything that can be done to you, the, the seller that is technically infringing on on a, on a pending patent? How does that work? I'm not really sure how that works. Yeah, there is something that, that can be done. Because re- remember, uh, even though a product uh, may be patented or it may be subject to a, a pending pad- a patent re- uh, registration, mm-hmm. Um, often there are common law theories of recovery that are applicable. So, for instance, um, especially with design patents, uh, if the look or shape of a particular product is is what is at issue, well, even if you know setting aside patent law entirely, if you're uh, if you're uh, infringing on somebody's what we call trade dress, that is the overall look and feel of a way a particular product is marketed or or if there's a trademark infringement um, those are other theories of recovery that they can still get you for so okay. we can set aside the the, the validity of the, of the patent uh, uh, for purposes of, of that discussion so th- this is where you know if you get a, a cease and desist letter from an attorney I'm telling your listeners, you really need to talk to a qualified attorney about that. Don't mm-hmm. leave it to guesswork. Talk to an attorney about it. And, and, and one other thing, Scott, too, is you know, your listeners need to understand, just because they receive a, a cease and desist letter from, from an attorney, don't just knee-jerk pull the product off of, off of Amazon. Gotcha. Um, okay. You don't know. Until, until you talk to your attorney and assess the merits of that uh, complaint, don't do not do anything because that just makes you look guilty. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a yeah. good point. Yeah. Don't, don't shut down your listing. Don't remove the photo or, or the text or whatever it is they're claiming is, is infringing until you talk to a lawyer because you can just make things worse by overreacting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so if that, if, if let's say that there is someone that feels as though 
they that you've infringed on their on their trademark patent whatever it is and they put that claim into Amazon a lot of times Amazon they don't even play they just go ahead and pull down the listing or pause it or suppress it or whatever um is is that kind of what you've seen as well like they don't really even let you explain until they figure it out and then they'll put it back up have you seen that differently yeah that's you're absolutely right scott uh Amazon uh, they do take a look at things, and, and if it appears to them that there may be a meritorious complaint of, of infringement, uh, they'll pull the the photos or they'll pull the listing. That's right. They, they will suspend it. And I, and I see this most often with copyright complaints. Mm-hmm. It can also be with a trademark complaint. If it's if it's really clear that you're infringing on somebody's trademark, especially if it's a if it's a well-known, famous brand. They'll definitely pull your listing right, right away. Gotcha. Okay. Now, but with the no. copyright complaints, it's pretty it's pretty easy because somebody can say, "Look, here's my photo on my website, and and this guy's infringing it because here's the same photo on." Right. Right. Um, yeah. That that to me just pretty much stupidity. Anyway, if someone's gonna if someone's gonna you know straight up rip someone's photo off of their website. Um, I just think that's bad business anyway, but that's besides the point. But yeah, I mean, for the, you know, for a trademark or not even like copyright, we're talking like picture type stuff, right? I mean, we're talking about like, that's my picture I created. And I get people that say, Scott, should I watermark my picture? Well, in my, my advice to that always is, well, I'd be careful with putting a stamp on your picture because Amazon doesn't want that on the main image that is. Your secondary images, I believe that you can do that. I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that you can. But your your main image, you can't. So in that case, it's that's why it's probably a, the best practice to have uh, a picture of your picture that has your brand name on it. Um, and then this way here, you're protected there. And again, I know that this isn't really the topic for today, but just to let people know, because I, I get that question a lot, like, should I watermark my pictures? What's your thoughts on that? Don't watermark your pictures. Amazon, Amazon doesn't like it. And honestly, you're not getting much bang for your buck mm. uh, with that. But I, I agree with you yep. 100%. Your product images should already have your brand name uh, on the product. Uh, so that's that's already part of, of the image. Yes. And that's, that's not only allowed by Amazon, but it's something that I certainly encourage as an intellectual property lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think even on the box or the packaging, if that's in your picture, try to make it seen. Um, but again, you don't want to force it. But yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, okay. So you've been seeing those. So, and you, you kind of said this the day that we were having coffee and stuff too. You're like, I'm just seeing a lot of bullying going on with these sellers and they're trying to use this legal mumbo jumbo to try to scare, uh, the other seller to get them off. And like you're saying, people will then panic or overreact. So what's the thing I should look for in a cease and desist letter? If I get it, what, what should I look at that makes me say like, Hmm, this thing might be from an attorney. Yeah. So first, first of all, I mean, where where is that cease and desist coming from? Is it from a real law firm that you can look up and you can check on, on the state bar? Every state has a state bar website, and you can look up the names of the attorneys. Uh, a real attorney is never going to hide his or her identity. Um, they want you to contact them, so you know they're not going to they're not going to play hide the ball. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you get a letter or an email or or a message. Through Amazon, from another from another seller. Uh, sometimes they sort of pretend to be attorneys. They'll quote the law and they'll 
uh, and they'll tell you uh, about all, all the terrible consequences that are going to happen to you if you do not cease and desist. Um, you know, those can be taken with a little more grain of salt. However, don't just ignore them. Um, because if you ignore them, then they're, the, the other seller is more likely to take the, the next step, which is to report the matter to, to Amazon. Mm-hmm. Don't ignore those, but instead, politely, uh, politely, that is, uh, reply back. Again, everything, you know, polite and and professional language, uh, reply back to them and and ask them, say, do you have any evidence supporting your claims? Would you please send me your trademark registration? Would you please send me your copyright registration? Mm -hmm. And, And if they're legit, they will send you that stuff. And then... You should probably, again, talk to your lawyer. You can assess whether this is a legitimate claim or it isn't and take an appropriate action and write them back. I mean, sometimes they have, they will have called to your attention something that is legitimate. And it's good that they've notified you privately without getting Amazon involved because that gives you an opportunity to correct the situation and thank them for calling it uh, to your attention. Mm. No, so, I, yeah, I agree. That's not bullying. That's just you know doing the polite thing of, of notifying another seller that hey, you may not have noticed, but this infringes upon our intellectual property rights, and then we all respect one another, and it and it's good. Um, but uh, a lot of times, you know, again, just just judging from the the fever pitch or the tone of a message or an email. If it's somebody that's going overboard and, and citing you chapter and verse and, and being really threatening to you, there's a pretty good chance that it's a, a not a legitimate claim. Mm-hmm. It's something, again, that you should always respond to. Don't just ignore them. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, okay. So that's basically like we're saying, like, you know, if you have someone that, you know, says that you're, uh, you know, that you're using uh, their trademark, they're, you're using uh, their patent or, you know, any of that stuff. Just, again, you want to respond to it. Um, and just, again, like you said, whether it's, you know, like, well, just show me, show me your thing, you know, like show me the copyright, uh, you know, show me the certificate, show me this, show me that. Like, again, you're just saying like, okay, I'm listening. Um, I don't believe that you have that. Now, if you have your own, well, then you just say, oh, I'm sorry, you must be mistaken because here's my certificate. Or whatever, right? So you can always you can always throw that back, right? Sure can. Yeah, that that would be the best bet. Um, as politely as possible. Yeah, as politely as possible. Exactly. <laughs> now, okay. Now, what happens if um, if that person? Have you seen this happen too? Well, they'll they'll go just directly to Amazon. Yeah. Even if they don't have a patent, or even if they don't have a direct claim, they're just doing it to try to see if Amazon will actually listen to them and take your listing down. Yeah, here's another real life story. So uh, I had a client that's uh, that's in a product category that involves uh, fabrics, uh, fabrics that have prints on them, mm-hmm. and uh, the the prints on fabrics can be copyrighted, but you sure. you know you need to register that. So uh, she uh, got a notification uh, from Amazon that pulled her product listing just uh, just out of the blue. And it was a copyright claim. So she contacts, you know, in the notifications, they say, sure. you know, back the rights owner. So she contacted the rights owner and they sent her back this blustering thing about, uh, well, you've infringed on our copyright and, uh, and it's terrible that you did this and that we're never going to withdraw the, uh, the claim to Amazon because of what you did. 
Well, she got me involved, and uh, so pretty soon it's it's lawyer talking to to lawyer, and I kept asking them, uh, please show me your copyright registration certificate, and you know they hinted that oh there was that there was a registration, and I, well, you know, please send me the uh, the application at least, uh, at least tell me that you've applied sure, for it. Sure. Right. So, you know, after weeks of going back and forth with these people, it finally becomes clear that they have not registered the copyright and have not even applied to register the copyright. Well, guess what? Somebody lied to Amazon in their report of infringement because uh, Amazon's not going to do anything unless you have actually uh, uh, registered the, the, the copyright to, to print uh, fabric. So, um, so, you know, in that case, there there are a couple of things you can do. Obviously, you know, she escalated and got a lawyer involved right away. And, you know, because that, that can be a lawsuit. I mean, we could sue them uh, for damages for making a false uh, infringement report to, to Amazon. She's lost a lot of money and, uh, you know, she had a, a, a product that was uh, doing well on Amazon, had high uh, page rank, and all of a sudden she's mm-hmm. lost it. So that's a valuable asset. Absolutely damages so but uh, but the other thing you can do uh, with copyright complaints is send a DMCA counter notice probably you and most of your listeners know what it what the DMCA is um, yep maybe no. but uh, but uh, you can send a DMCA counter notice uh, there are certain requirements and it's got to be signed under penalty of perjury but you can send that back to Amazon and say hey uh, we think that this was uh, uh, not a legitimate claim, and uh, and that there uh, that uh, you should uh, restore the ASIN. And if the if the other party does not demonstrate to Amazon that they have actually filed suit to enforce the copyright within ten days, then uh, your listing comes back on. Oh, okay, so, okay. So that's good. I mean, it's a, it's a good way. I mean, that's that's the law, and Amazon will follow the law, the DMCA in this case. Uh, but remember, if their claim has merit, if you, if you actually are violating their copyright, uh, and you're you're dealing with somebody who has lawyers and is litigious, well, they just might file a lawsuit. So, you, you know, that's never a good thing to have happen to you. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, but I think anyone. I I think anyone. Anyways, I mean, honestly, you kind of probably know when you're finding these products if there's something that is patented or there's something you kind of get a good idea of the brand of of all of that. Right. I mean, there's common sense that says, you know, just do your own checking and you can probably kind of figure that, you know, you're 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 okay. Now, the best bet is to obviously have a clean look if you have any doubts at all with an attorney, you know, have a clean search done. But on the same, you know, in the, in the same breath, you know, it's like, if you know that you're, you're teetering on that where you're like, yeah, I don't know. Well, you might get one of them one day. Right. And you, and then to call you to say, you know, Hey Ted, now what? And you're like, well, you should have did your research in the beginning. Right. Uh, so I would just say people to just be smart out there. And if you have any doubts at all, then definitely, you know, have someone professionally look into that before you go ahead and invest in that. Um, because you don't want to have to, you know, afterwards fight it and then find out that you, you did infringe on something. Um, so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there, Ted. Yeah, it's, um, it's a tough call. You know, you're investing a lot of money in uh, researching and, and trying to launch a product. Um, 
and uh, nobody wants to invest money in a patent search uh, only to find out that, well, maybe there is a problem because uh, it feels like you've wasted a bunch of money uh, <laughs> that could otherwise be spent yeah, on yeah. launching another product. But this is an ounce of prevention and maybe worth a pound of cure. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And again, that's, uh, <laughs> I think that you, you, you kind of look at certain products and you're like, well, I can almost tell this is just a generic type thing that I might go ahead and make my own spin on it. And again, if we're making our own spin on it, that makes it a lot e- easier to, uh, to prevent this from happening because you are putting your own unique spin on it. So you're, you're in a sense, you're, you're almost vulnerable because now you are maybe saying like, well, I've just created something that's unique. I could patent myself and someone else could just copy without me, you know, being able to sue them uh, or, you know, to, to counter against them. But in the same breath, at least you know that you're protected as far as you're not going to be the one getting sued if you can make that thing different. Um, and I think that that's moving forward. I think that's really, really important for people to understand. You know, making that different. Yeah. So, okay. Is there any other things you wanted to address? Any other stories that you wanted to uh, to mention? I forget exactly uh, some of those uh, some of those other discussions that we had at the table. We had so many. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to kind of, I guess, prepare um, any new sellers or even sellers that might be starting to get, you know, starting to catch their stride a little bit that can help them prevent anything or things to look for if someone contacts them? Is there anything else that you can think of? Yeah, you know, I, I think a, an important skill that, that every Amazon seller should learn is uh, is how to respond to notices uh, from other sellers and notices from Amazon, uh, or I should say messages from other sellers. And, and again, I cannot underscore enough how, how vital it is that, that people learn how to uh, write uh, messages and emails uh, that are uh, that have a professional tone to them uh, that are not snarky uh, or overconfident. Um, you know, we can uh, we can take the right tone or the wrong tone in our correspondence with others on, on Amazon, and uh, and uh, you know it can get us in trouble. I mean, I've I've seen some of my clients. Uh, respond to legitimate cease and desist messages from other sellers in ways that were highly unprofessional, that were that were really off the charge. And not only did that get them reported to Amazon for uh, infringement, but then, you know, they also get reported for violations of the, of the community rules, you know, mm-hmm. the guidelines, they tell you, be respectful, be on topic, uh, uh, you know, don't uh, don't engage in any conduct that is demeaning to other sellers uh, or to certainly not not to customers. That'll get you off Amazon instantaneously. So um, conduct yourself in a in a business like fashion in all of your correspondence, um, and don't assume the worst. I mean, mm. uh, a lot of times people uh, sellers will will make uh, a complaint of, of infringement. And, and it's uh, maybe it, it's not meritorious, but they've made the complaint in good faith because visually they may have seen something and, and they think, yeah, that really that's, that violates my trademark or that violates my copyright. Um, and, uh, and so if they've made a mistake, just call it to their attention, uh, again, in a professional way without skyrocketing and, uh, and see if you can get them to withdraw the complaint. 
Um, any anybody who's been selling on Amazon for any length of time, eventually they're going to get a notification or a warning from Amazon, um, and, and all those warnings, especially the ones that involve the uh, infringement complaints, uh, they almost always tell you contact the rights owner. Here's his or her email. Sometimes they even give you a telephone number, and and have them uh, withdraw the complaint. Now. Most of them won't withdraw the complaints, but I tell you, if uh, if you if you email them and you're sincere and hey, you know, I I'll, I'm just going to try to make this right. Let me work with you. Uh, again, if your tone is correct and you're sincere and you're and you're willing to to work with them, they're going to be much more likely to cooperate with you and pull that complaint off of Amazon, which is the best outcome for everyone. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I think uh, as much as we don't want to because we're upset, um, but I think, like you said, I think especially, um, you know, your your first uh, your first message to them, definitely uh, try to be like just respectful and, and hoping that uh, they will respond in a respectful manner as well. So um, I definitely agree with that. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on, and I probably should have touched on this a little bit earlier, um, but like, okay, let's say for example, and this, this happened to someone that we both know, and we won't mention any names, but um, he had an issue where someone hijacked his listing and, uh, and he went ahead and noticed that uh, they basically had a whole bunch of inventory. And um, he, you know, normally you're supposed to like buy one so you can kind of, you know, cross-reference like what it is. But he wanted to remove all their stock. <laughs> so thinking that it's counterfeit, purchases just about all of their, their inventory. And uh, that's really not the right thing to do. And I want you to explain why. And, um, and then maybe from there, like what people should do in that situation, which I can actually link back to the other episode that we talked about this, but maybe just like a quick 30 second thing that they should do. But like in that case, like you don't want to do that, right? You don't want to have, you don't want to go ahead and, and buy out your, your competitor's inventory if they're on there, if, if they're on your, your listing. Yeah. So yeah, that was a, that was kind of an interesting situation and, and, and you're right. I mean, doing a test, doing test buys involves uh, making a single purchase from the ASIN, or in some cases, it's important to get uh, some purchases from uh, children as well. Mm. Uh, usually, from the, just the parent ASIN, uh, but some some children as well. Making one purchase—that's what a test buy is in, in the Amazon book. Uh, but if you're if you're buying large volumes of, of your client's inventory, A, it's against the community guidelines, B, it looks like you're trying to manipulate the, uh, the page rank, uh, uh, you know, it's because you're manipulating the, the sales on your uh, ASIN. So that's uh, a no-no with Amazon, and, uh, and it can actually get you suspended. So, um, you know, it, it's one thing if you've got a hijack on there uh, and he's got, oh, two or three uh, in his inventory, well, you know, that might just be a guy who picked him up. Uh, yeah, right, right. Arbitrage or something, and yeah. he's, you know, so fine. Buy those out. It's not a test buy. You're, you're buying those out. There's no real harm in that. But, um, 
But buying somebody's uh, inventory in bulk is a very risky thing to do. Yeah, and this this was let's let's kind of go back in time. This was actually um, rate around. It was actually it was actually the day or the day of or the day I think it was the day of or maybe the day um, before. I forget when it was, but it was right around um, the. Uh, yeah, <laughs> why am I blanking out here? It was Prime Day. It was Prime Day. Yeah. And because right. of that, I mean, he had a good seller. I mean, sells about 70 to 80 units a day, sometimes more. And then this hijacker came on the day before this happened and had a whole bunch of inventory. He was ready to start selling. And um, and technically, you know, the seller got upset and said, you know what? I'm not going to allow you to do that. And I'm going to then send these back, return these after the fact and tell them that they were that they were, uh, you know, basically counterfeits. Um, uh, you know, it did have a happy ending. Um, he didn't get in trouble for it and he did get his money back from that. But like you said, it was very risky. Um, and it's something that you wouldn't necessarily advise. And I think now him looking back at that too, I don't think he would have done it that way now, but he, I think he panicked. Yeah. Thank God it did turn out okay, but that's a very risky move. And, uh, and why risk your account or something like that? Mm. Mm, absolutely. So no, I just wanted to throw that out there because anyone else thinking about doing that, you know, like I think like Ted said, just relax, take a deep breath and um, and then make that decision, you know, like don't just all of a sudden react, especially with words through an email or even like doing a, a buy. Uh, a test buy is one thing, but going ahead and trying to buy out all of their inventory. Um, that that's a whole nother story. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that in there because I've been meaning to talk to you about that too. And we never even talked about that at our coffee date, which, uh, I wanted to, but I forgot and I just remembered it. So I said, what the heck, let's, uh, let's talk about it now. All right. So Ted, I think, uh, that's pretty good here about talking about, you know, how we can prevent ourselves from being bullied, I think is what it really is. And, and don't let, uh, let the, uh, the sellers out there that don't have any rights to be bullying us and really to go out there and, um, you know, I, I guess, Make sure that you're prepared with the knowledge of what to do, and I think that we've covered that. But then also, if you don't know, reach out to um, you know an attorney of some kind, whether that's you or, or any other attorney. Um, we're really just doing this to bring awareness to this, so this way here we can help other sellers when they come to this, or if they ever come to this. And then this way here, you can you can kind of have this in your toolbox when when and if that ever happens. So, is there anything else you wanted to wrap up with Ted before we uh, before we wrap this uh, this episode up? Well, sure. I uh, again need to underscore that uh, that anything that I have said here today is uh, is not attorney advice. Okay, uh, this is just general information. And uh, if you have a real situation, real facts that you need to discuss uh, with an attorney, uh, I strongly recommend that that you do so. Hopefully, I've given your your listeners an idea as to when it's a good idea to contact an attorney. And when something might just uh, be less of a threat. Hmm. And, and how can they get a hold of you again, Ted? Uh, email is the best way, ted at tedlawfirm.com, or give me a call, 626-993-7000. Okay, cool. And I'll put it up in the show notes, and we'll put the other episodes that you've been on in the uh, show notes as well. We talked about hijacking. We talked about uh, patents and stuff like that, too. So I'll link that all up. So, yeah, that definitely, definitely, uh, you know, Make sure that you guys just understand that don't overreact and um, and then from there just assess the situation and then move to the next you know the next thing right don't don't overreact so Ted I want to thank you once again it's always a pleasure so glad that we got to sit down 
face-to-face, talk not just about Amazon. We talked about life and business and and you know what we're thinking about doing in the future, you know, financially, but not even. You know, we're talked about our families and what we want to do when uh, when we move on to our next uh, you know phase in life. So it was really really fun, and I really appreciate you, and um, I know everyone else listening does as well. So thanks again, and I do appreciate you, bud. Thank you, Scott. Take care. All right, so there you go. Another great conversation with my good buddy Ted. Limus, and uh, it was really fun to hang out with him in person and uh, just have a really good uh, a good chat. And it wasn't just all about this; it was uh, it was about life. And I think that's awesome to be able to meet up with people that uh, once you kind of start something in business, uh, you become friends. And I think that goes for all of us out there. You know, like a lot of us are out there uh, in Facebook groups or in forums or in different places. Like these are these are technically people that you can network with and that you can learn from. And I really, really encourage all of you, uh, including myself to continue to do that. Cause it's really, really important. And, uh, when you get to meet people in person too, it's, it's really quite awesome if I don't say so myself, which is going to lead me perfectly into, uh, saying that we are going to be meeting in person, actually 30 of us, uh, TISers that is, um, in the Phoenix, Arizona, and that's coming up really, really soon. So depending on when this airs, which it should air a couple weeks before the event, uh, there may or may not be uh, spots left. If there are spots left and you wanted to uh, attend, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash live and uh, you can get all the details there. Now, if it is technically sold out, uh, which it may be at that time, uh, just go ahead and get on the announcements list and you'll be notified if there's any cancellations or if we do one in the future. So uh, definitely go check that out. If you want to hang out with us, I'm talking live, like in person, like for two full days, um, definitely go check that out. Now, you can split it up. You can go day one or day two or you can do both. Um, A lot of people are doing both, but just check it out if you're interested. I would love to hang out with you for a day or two and uh, we can really dig into to your business and uh, and just have some good conversations too because I'll tell you when you attend events like this uh, or just meet people in person whether it's a small little meetup uh, you really get to know the people that uh, are a lot like you and I'm telling you those relationships are going to take you so much further down the line because you have these resources to pull from and you also get the support of those people. So really, really, uh, I can't stress that enough. It's really, really important. And again, perfect example is me being able to hang out with Ted um, in person. And uh, it was funny, quick little story. Uh, you know, he shows up and he's got his, uh, his uh, you know, khaki shorts on and his, you know, maybe I, I forget if it was flip flops or, or something. And he says, hey, excuse, uh, you know, the outfit. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like getting into my attorney clothes today. And I said, you know what? I'm glad you didn't because that would have made me feel a little uncomfortable. And and uh, we had a good chuckle about that. Speaking of that, though, uh, you know, Ted is is probably going to listen to this back. And him and I kind of talked a little bit. I kind of was busting on him a little bit. We got to upgrade that mic, Ted. Um, and I think we talked about that. So uh, we might have to get on him uh, out there in uh, TAS land. Uh, come on, some of that attorney money. Let's get a let's get a new mic. Uh, let's get a better connection. Uh, <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, I guess that's what you can do when, you, when you're friends, right? You can uh, you can have fun with each other. So um, guys, that's it. That's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, the transcripts can be found at uh, theamazingseller.com forward slash 272. The show notes will be there. Um, you can also reach out to Ted from the show notes page, page or just go to tedlawfirm.com. Again, that's tedlawfirm.com. And uh, just reach out to him. And um, if he can help you, great. And if he can't, he'll direct you to where you can get some assistance. All right, so that's it, guys. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. Have an awesome, amazing day. And remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you. And I'm rooting for you. 
but you have to, you have to. Come on, say it with me, say it loud, and say it proud. Take action and press on, my friends.